Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail, where mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail, where we're mixing up recipes to help you have a happy life. I'm your host, Gary Ware. Today on the show, I am very honored to have Eric Kurpinski. He is the happiness coach. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Absolutely. Excited to be here, Gary. Awesome. Before we get started and we get our audience motivated and give them such an awesome story of how you got to where you are now, just give us a little teaser, just a little shot of what you're all about. Yeah, well, my purpose is to really share the research around happiness. There's a whole area, which we'll talk about, of research called positive psychology. And it's exploring what is good about life. How do we make, how do we help create the good life and get ourselves closer to the lifestyle called was full of positive emotions, uh, meaning and engagement. How do each of us that are living our lives the way we are get closer to that ideal of a meaningful, engaged and happy life? Great. Yeah. I know. Wouldn't everyone want to be happy? I sure do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Even though it it seems like a no-brainer, I know it's more complicated than that. And we're going to dive right into that. And Eric's going to really help us get some some actionable advice that you can apply today that will help you get on the road to happiness. Before we get into those tips, I really want to dive into your story and, and have you tell our audience how you got to where you are. Sure. So, I mean, you know, like, like most careers, when you look back, you kind of piece them together. Mine, you know, I've always known that I wanted to be happy. And, you know, as a kid, you like playing, you like joy, like, all right, so great. I want more of this as I'm maturing into middle school, high school. It's like, all right, I want to be, I want to be happy. How do I do it? And I think TV was really, you know, kind of biases you. It's like, oh, I see lots of happy people. They're successful. Look, they're, they're famous rock stars or they're, they're, football players or else are people that have made a lot of money and they can buy the things that they want, right? And they look real happy on commercials. Very impressionable years. All right. So if I'm successful, then I'll be happy. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing. And my teachers were really clear. Right? If, when I asked them, all right, how do I be successful? They were like, you got to work hard. You work hard, you'll be successful. If you, if you're successful, well, then you'll be happy. Right. And then, you know, okay. Makes sense. All right. I, I'll, I'll take that on. I like, I want to work hard. I want to be successful. So I did. And, you know, and, and I got really lucky with my hard work and that I was able to get into an Ivy League college. So I went to Brown University and studied biochemistry and uh, worked for a few years. And then I got to got a, an MBA from the Wharton School. OK, one of the best business schools in the country, uh, in the world. I'm like, OK, that's success. That's that's what I'm going for. So so we're, we're, we're on path. And I got a um, coming out of business school, got a job as a venture capitalist working in, in San Diego, you know, and we had a very, so making lots of money, doing the things that I wanted to do, what I, that I wanted to do at the time. Um, we moved to San Diego, the most, one of the most beautiful environments, as you know, uh, one of the beautiful yeah. places to live. The weather's amazing and uh, <laughs> the people are fun. Um, and then I, uh, and I got married to my college sweetheart. We have two beautiful kids and cruising along, you know, and I'm getting promoted at the work and I'm, you know, everything's going well, right? And so then I paused. It was about seven years ago. I just kind of stopped for a second. It's actually on a meditation retreat. And I, and I looked around and I said, you know, the whole reason I've been working so hard is to be, to be successful and that be successful so I could be happy. But I looked around and even though I had 
every trapping, so much more success than I ever expected I could have. I wasn't happy. I was stressed. And I was like, how do I get promoted to partner at the firm? And, and what if my deals don't work out? And these kids, these little kids that I have are just screaming and yelling and demanding. And, and I'm not happy. I got more success than I could have ever imagined that I'm not happy. Someone sell me a, sold me a, like a you know, Rob bill of goods. So at that point, I was just kind of pissed off. And I said, all right, well, I'm a scientist. I studied biochemistry. Um, what is science? have to say about happiness doesn't say anything have we asked those questions and then i found this um book by uh by martin seligman called authentic happiness and it was all about martin was the head of the american psychological association in 1998 1999 he said this was huge he said you know we've spent a hundred years and billions of dollars studying how to fix what's broken in our minds and our brains Studying, um, you know, studying how people who are depressed or anxious or, you know, have these disorders or schizophrenia, like, how do we get that these people who are broken, right, up to this level to get by up to this level of, hey, let let's we're functional now. But he said, why don't we take the people that are living the good life that are living these lives full of happiness and engagement and meaning and purpose and, and why don't we study what what makes them tick and how do we get the rest of us, the ones that are getting by or doing okay, or even doing good. How do we all get closer to that idea? And when he declared that like the floodgates are open, all kinds of top researchers across the country started and people in psychology and neuroscience and sociology, sociology all said, yeah, I want to ask these questions too. We just haven't asked before. We we're always too busy fixing things. Um, and so really I decided that I wanted to be on the cusp of getting this great research out. I spent my whole career translating science to people who maybe aren't scientists in order to understand and then move things forward. And this was really my chance. And so the last six years, I've really been doing it full time, um, coaching individuals, speaking and teaching about positive psychology and what are the tools that we can learn? What, are the, what does science say about our happiness and how we live a better life? Wow. And for those of you who are listening, one thing that I really want to point out and, and start discussing is, you know, we're conditioned, we're told, if you want to be happy, you have to be successful. But yet, as you can see, Eric is like one of the people, he got to the top of everything, but he wasn't happy. Uh, so Eric, can you discuss that? Why is that? Why, why did success not bring happiness? You know, I, I, I can't tell the why, I mean, we can talk about it and explore it a little bit, but the biggest thing is that it doesn't. <laughs> you know, we, we, I mean, the, the, one of the big whys behind it is that we adapt. As human beings, we adapt to the good things in our lives. We've all had that experience, right? You buy a new car and it feels really good. You're looking forward to it. Once I get that car, it's going to be so awesome. When you buy that new car and you, you drive it around, it feels really proud of it. Look what I've got and it's driving fast or whatever it is you love about the car. And after a couple weeks or maybe a couple months, if you're, really uh it holds you, you get used to it it's now the thing you get into when you go from a to b the same things with promotions you know we think oh once i get that promotion or once i get that degree then i'll be happy and we always say we put it off until the future and then we get it and we're like that made me happy for a little while or maybe it even didn't but now i've got all these other problems and so we adapt and then we we're we're like but 
maybe it's the next thing. Okay, so then it's the next car or the next promotion or the next you know partner or whatever it is. We keep putting it off because we don't feel happy at this moment. And that's because the external stuff, we just adapt to it, which, you know, it's a, it's a survival mechanism. If we just got fat, dumb, and happy, then we, we wouldn't be continuing to, to make better and progress and make new things. So, so that's so a big reason of why success doesn't make us happy is as we adapt to it. However, you can still be successful and happy. So what you're trying to say is you just need to redefine what does it mean to be happy? Yeah, well, the issue, it's not so much redefining as um, do the other things that we know make us happy and permanently. And it's not about going after the thing and thinking about being happy in the future. It's about being grateful. One of the huge well-studied areas is, is gratitude and how to be grateful for the things we have in our lives. We're trained, or we actually have this thing called a negativity bias that, that kind of holds on to the negative parts of our day. Because in the old days, if we didn't figure out that there was a snake in the, in the thing or a, a tiger up over the hill or another tribe that might come, if we didn't hold on to those little pieces, we died and we didn't pass on our genes. If we, so, so we have this way we hold on to the negative. So we need to actually proactively counter that by looking for what's good. We know we're going to remember what's negative. So we need to actually look. And so that one of the things that I tell all my friends and clients and people I work with to do is a simple exercise where you write down each day three things from the last 24 hours that you were appreciate, that you were good and really specific. So like – you know, I had a I had lunch with a client today who has just been he's, he just was on a tear and it was two years I've been working with him and it was just amazing to see how he transformed his life and really pursued the things he cared about and with a lot of work and some really hard times in the middle trying to figure it out and it was just really cool to have him so appreciative of the work we did and so I got to be so grateful for that experience for having the time to to have that feedback from someone. That was awesome. That was a great peak experience. And they don't have to be those huge ones like years in the making. They can just be, hey, my daughter gave me a hug today. And it just made me feel I'm loved. And that's really, that's all that you need. So writing down three of these things at the end of the day or at the start of the day um, trains your brain. It starts to actually, first it, tell, it shows you that, hey, I, anytime I want, I can find things in my life that are good, that are positive, even, for, you know, even on bad days. And secondly, it starts to retrain your brain. We actually, so neurons, uh, neuroscientists say neurons that fire together, wire together. Ah. So every time we focus our attention on what's right in our life, what's good in the world, we're firing along these, um, the same, this neuropathway that is looking for what's good. And so the more we practice it by sitting down and doing it and by writing them down, those three things. And each time we then general, then we try to generalize it into our lives, so we look for things more. Each time we do that, we start to grow new synapses between the neurons on that pathway. And if we keep doing it over time, and we generalize it, like I mentioned, we start to grow new neurons in that pathway. What that does, we actually see that we grow these things in pathways we use. What that does is it gives us the freedom to that that becomes the faster path instead of the more default path. And so over time, instead of default looking for what's bad. Your default can be, hey, what's good about now? And instead of coming into every situation where this could be better if or it should be like that, we come into the situation and say, isn't that cool that this person just did that? It, you notice the small things that you might not have noticed otherwise, and you focus on them. And that makes us a lot more happier, not only in the immediate time of sitting down and writing down what's good, but also 
longer term. And it brings us more optimism. It brings us and there's great benefits to being happier besides just feeling good. Yeah. And one thing on that, because I've read all the books that Eric has recommended, and it's so fascinating and how even people that are diagnosed as you know pessimists, they're naturally negative. If they follow this sort of routine of trying to find the things that are positive and happy, they can actually go to like a mild optimist. It's just so fascinating. But my question is, I read John Acor's book, uh, Before Happiness, and it got me thinking about, do people have to want to be happy? Because sometimes I feel like people don't want to be happy. Like they just, I don't know. Uh, do you believe there's a possibility that someone doesn't want to be happy? You know, there there certainly are some people that, that, that sort of really live in their misery. And I think they've trained their brain so long to just kind of want to be there or they just don't know they could, they can make a change. Cause a lot of people have this fixed mindset that says, look, I was born more pessimistic or I always see the negative and I just have to accept that. Right. And then I'll find whatever joy I can within it. But that's what we know. What science has shown very clearly is that if we have a growth mindset, one that says, Hey, we can improve anything we choose. We can get better and we're going to fail on the way, but we want to keep trying. If we can have that kind of a, of a focus, it says, hey, maybe I didn't, maybe it didn't work. Maybe I wasn't happy or maybe I didn't succeed in that project, but I'm going to try again and I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to then, then I know because everybody that's great at something has failed a bazillion times at it or on steps towards it. And so it's, it's the, the growth mindset is huge and about happiness is key. So, but you have to choose it. You, everyone gets their choice. Um, you could decide not to, to, to pursue it. You can try not to like be happy uh, or you can listen to some of what the research is saying. And I also don't want to say that like any one exercise is perfect for everybody. Science says, hey, if there's 100 people, 70 of them are going to find some benefit by doing a daily gratitude practice or of those and those of those 30s that may, maybe 10 more would do it be better if they only did it once a week. Um, or something like that. So what I say to everyone when I'm speaking is you're study yourself. We know that there are ways for you to become happier. You need to find them. So try different things. Try gratitude for a couple of weeks. Try meditation for a couple of weeks. We know that that helps a lot. Try do being kinder and just do some specific things about, um, acts of, of altruism and even just little ones like picking up a coffee for somebody or, or asking about their day or making sure you remember their name at the office instead of just being like, oh, right, those guys over there, you know, little things like that can make a, a, a huge difference once you choose that you want to be. Happy. Yeah. So start with the choice and then then the, some of the steps become more clear. So speaking of which, you mentioned a number of things and I want to sort of highlight these because you're right. Everyone's different. There's going to be different things. And just like with anything, we should all try it on uh, for a bit and see if it sticks. So what are some ways that we can try to improve our happiness? You had mentioned gratitude and meditation. Yep. Uh, what are a few other techniques? So um, what, one that I like to talk about, and this came from Sean, uh, Sean Aker as well. Like we know that altruism is really helpful in that, you know, if we, if we take somebody and they do it five really nice acts, you know, in one day, they actually get a really nice boost. Um, but we also want to sort of create something that can be in kind of a daily practice. And so what, what, what I talk about in my talks is um, have 
as soon as you get into work or sometime during your day, write a two-line email to someone, appreciating them, encouraging them, thanking them. Really simple, like not, not, and here's my problem with this one. I always love, like, as soon as I'm going to say something nice to somebody, I want to like, gosh, and I want to tell, oh, and this other thing, and oh, and this other thing. Like the key here is to do it quick so that you can actually do it regularly. So write a two-line email that says, hey, you know when you smiled me at, at, when I came to the office the other day and you just took a second to see how I was? That really made my day because it turned me around and I, I felt this, this connection. Thank you. Or, you know, um, I really appreciate you helping Susie on that project because there was no way she was going to be able to get it done. And you just stepping in made a huge difference. So thank you. You know, whatever little things you notice. And again, when you do that exercise, A, it feels really good to tell other people and appreciate them and encourage them. So that's the main reason we're doing it is for our own sake. Um, But what's nice is it also usually brings someone else up and it helps them. And that can often then be passed on and go forward and you can just change lots of people's days by having one little act of of, um, of giving of appreciation yeah and i have to say firsthand when eric yeah. did the seminar he actually had us take out our phones and send an email or a text right then yeah. and there and that was the only time we were allowed to have our cell phones on and we <laughs> waited for responses and the responses that we got back yeah they were just hearing about the other people's responses brightened my mood and yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's a, it's a really neat bonus. Um, when you see a good act done, you actually get elevated. And so if there's ways to make your, you know, your good deeds visible uh, in some way or done with a group, you know, whatever they are, even if they're beyond the emails or just a public appreciation of someone's work, like that helps everybody feel better. And, um, you know, one of the great things about happiness is not only does it feel good, you actually, it actually helps you become more successful. It helps you be more creative. You notice more things in your periphery when you're primed with happiness. You're able to make connections to things that might not otherwise be connected. You're much, you know, you, you actually respond to tests better. Just about, in fact, every business outcome is improved with happier employees compared to less happy employees. And so there's all these levels of success. So what's nice about happiness at work is like if you start changing, you're going to infect others with your happiness and they're going to then be more productive, more gay, engaged and, and, um, and happier. And so you're, you increase productivity at work at, while you're, you know, looking after your own happiness. So it's, it's a win, win, win ever all around. And so one thing before I move on to the next thing I'm going to talk about. So we send an email, we send a text message, you know, then what? Are we waiting for a response or should that just be the the act of just sending? Yes. Don't, um, you know, with that, with that particular habit, it's important to, to, to find the happiness when you're doing it. Imagine them opening it. Imagine them seeing these words um, and, you know, and, and notice what they're like. You can sort of imagine what they're going to feel. That's the benefit you get initially. If they respond, then that's gravy. That's all bonus. And they're like, oh, that was so awesome. Now, it's also interesting is always at some, some, some of my talks, there's always a couple of people who they send some appreciative note to their wife or, or to their boyfriend or to the, um, or to someone else. And they respond back like, have you been drinking? You're on that side. You know? And, and that's really good to know too, because it means that your social script with that person is not one that will be, you'll be randomly throw out compliments or appreciations. 
And so that doesn't mean you have to change. Everyone's relationships have been built up in the ways they are, but you can. And, and notice that if you do that a few times, it can often change the language. And, and if you do it at work, you can set the tone of work of like, even though, you know, maybe before it was pretty snarky and like kind of negative and kind of joking and maybe there's some connection with that, that's okay. But if you can create more positive feedback within, within whatever way you relate to people, change the social script a little bit so that it's okay to say something nice, to say something good and helpful. That's now you're, now you're developing this interaction and your ways of being together that can help all of you become happier and more engaged. And I want to qualify when I talk about happier, this is not about we're trying to be happy all the time. There are a lot of, there's a lot of value in negative emotions. There's a lot of information in negative emotions. And when, when we lose something, we're disappointed or we lose a person or, or something like it's essential that we actually go in and experience that negative emotion. So I'm not talking about plastic, plastic, place, sorry, pasting like little smiley faces onto every, on, onto our pain and our suffering. No, we have to experience and, and negative emotions are a great thing. Hey, something's pissing me off here. I feel really angry. Oh, well, let's, let's find out what's pissing me off and see if I can fix it instead of, no, I shouldn't be angry or no, I shouldn't be sad or no, no, no. Yeah. Negative emotions are essential, but we can, we also do a lot of what we call, um, uh, unnecessary negativity or suffering. And, and we start beating ourselves up because, because it didn't go the way we thought I should have done more. I should have been better. It was all my fault. Um, I'm so stupid. You know, all these things that would be crazy if we said them to other people, but we say them to ourselves and it has a lot of power. That's yeah. the stuff we can eliminate yeah. or reduce. Significantly. You're absolutely right. And I forget what the stat was, but you know, by worrying and, and putting unnecessary stress on yourself, like it has a long-term effect. And it's so weird because again, after reading, I think it was in Before Happiness, uh, my mom always used to say, I worry because I care. And then I realized, no, you don't have to worry because it's, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I, I'm worrying because I love you. And I'm like, mom, it's, it's all good. <laughs> right. Right. I worry because I love you. And that's, and that's fine. I mean, that there is within the stresses and the anger and usually is there's something important to you down at the base, but you can also let go of a lot of that. And it's not going to change how you move through the world. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of those worries that you can, you know, as a Mark Twain, uh, you know, you can, you can feel the pain twice by worrying about it. And, um, I don't remember. The yeah. Point, but, but it's really important to recognize when you're doing that and say, Hey, is this, is this useful? Cause if it's useful, sure. But, Compared to being able to experience life in a more positive vein, we don't need to worry as much as we do. Exactly. And mom, if you're listening, you don't have to worry. We don't have saber-toothed tigers. I'm going yeah. to be okay. <laughs> um, and so, so getting back on the topic of work, because you bring up a lot of good things. When in the workplace, people who are happier, teams who are happier, they do better, they're more creative. But as you mentioned, we have this negative bias and the default a lot of times is negative. So if someone wants to go into their workplace and start to change the social script, um, especially if it's uh, a dominant negative environment, how could they go about doing that without being like sort of the pitchforks come out and everyone starts to you know protest? Yeah, yeah. right. Well, I mean, and, and the issue is, is making small changes over time. Um, 
you know, you, it's really hard to all of a sudden, if, you, if your meetings are usually full of all the angst and, and crankiness, so then all of a sudden try to like paint sunshine and rainbows, right? You, you need to, um, you know, work on your own happiness. And one of the biggest things that I talk about in my, in my program is you need to express, if you're feeling good, express it to someone. If you feel really happy and you go into a meeting and you let the negative dominate you or everyone's going to complain and, you know, all those things, it, it happens all the time, right? But if you come in and you say, hey, guys, I just wanted to share that. This is a really cool thing happening. Or I just had this, like, last night, I just wanted to share a story. This like my, my daughter did this amazing thing and it just made me feel really good. Like, or Bob down in accounting just really helped me out with this problem. Like, Anything you can do to start with a positive, because people will reflect. Not only will they feel uh, that positive energy, they will also reflect it, and usually they'll start to think of other stories that are similar. Now, if you let, if you're feeling really bad and you come into a meeting and you just let go on somebody, that's gonna, you know, it's really easy to spread negative emotions too. And um, and so it's just it's being conscious and thinking about expressing the positive, and sometimes holding back the negative. You know, it's not about all the time. It's not about being universal. It's just about little switches. If you can make a couple switches in your day, that can change the whole path. You know, oh, I'm feeling kind of crappy. What, what could I appreciate right now? You know, or wow, this really sucks. All right, let me let me experience that. Let me see what I can learn from it. And then let me see what I what I you know what I learned and what I can move forward with or what else I could focus on right now. Stuck in traffic. But wow, look at that sunset over the mission bay. Yeah. You know, there are things you can do, but you have to check yourself and say, hey, do I want to still feel this? Maybe. But if I don't, let's figure out what, what's okay right now. What's good right now. Good points. And I have two questions. Uh, so as far as emotions, uh, you had mentioned you can spread these emotions. Why are emotions so contagious? You know, uh, I mean, it gets into evolution, uh, evolutionary science and developmental science. We, you know... We wanted to be able to, we needed to be able to communicate really quickly amongst a group of people. So fear um, and these other things were like, oh, super fast. Like even before you could have the thought that, you know, there's a tribe coming over, three people had already seen it and you saw their faces and it was boom, you were ready for action. Similar with positive emotions, they don't have take carry as much energy, but it was, it was us in tribal times sharing positive emotions that allowed us to get curious about the world. And feel content, like, let's go explore instead of let's bunker down and only stay with us. Let's explore and let's, let's go check out. And we strengthen relationships when we connected with other people. These positive emotions bind us together. Shared positive emotions do. And that allows us to build resources because we're curious. We go out and see the world and we, we learn, oh, there's a new food source over here. There's, there's something else over here. By us being together and sharing those positive emotions, that allowed us to then evolve. And that just made me think about something. So you, you've been talking about, you know, positive emotions, events, and it sort of binds it. Is it possible that our brain can trick us? Uh, for example, say we had a really bad day and, uh -huh. you know, we're just really down and, and kind of stressed out. And then we come home and then our spouse is just trying to be supportive and they're happy. But we can start to associate bad memories and bad associations with something that has nothing to do with it and start to gel and create a bad association. Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, one of the, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this is, this is an area I don't work closely with, but you definitely, you know, if you're bringing, um, let's see, if you're bringing bad energy home 
And the brain does a lot of things. So when you're in a really negative space, everything looks bad. And so when you come home in that situation and you're going to find fault with what your wife's doing, you're going to find like all of the stuff you like, you tend to look big and we catastrophize when we're in this negative space. So one of the biggest things we try to do when we're in that is like, how do we break out of it? How do we distract ourselves from this negative emotion into something more neutral? You know, and um, one of the things we talk about in that space is, um, you know, find little things that are really engaging that you can stop, stop your thinking, get into that thing, and then hopefully move past this really negative energy. Because you can start associating negative things with other areas and you try to resist it. Um, the same thing people say when you're when you're savoring and really enjoying something and in a positive place, you can actually bring up some more traumatic things that have happened and try to find what's positive about that. And you can actually use that same effect to unwind some negative emotion or negative associations you have by coming at it when you're feeling good and say, oh, you know what? Even though this bad thing happened, I know there were good people around it that were trying to be helpful. Wow. I just think it's fascinating that until recently, until I met you, Eric, I was of the mindset that you couldn't, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, you know, you know, my my brain is solid. Like I've learned all that I'm going to learn and then I'm not going to learn anything else. And so, sorry, I I can't learn this. This is the way I am. Just yeah. accept me and love me the way I am or, or don't love me. It doesn't matter because I can't change. Yeah. But then, you know, that's not the case. Like you had, you know, said, you know, science has proven that our brain can be changed. We can change these neural pathways and we can have a different aspect on, on life. And it just, it sort of just, you know, opened so many different <laughs> things. And I'm so curious about so much stuff about this. So it's just so fascinating. It's good. I mean, we have so much more power than, than we used to think. Like neuroplasticity is the study of brain science and how it's constantly changing. 90-year-old brains constantly changing, growing new neurons, making new connections, strengthening synapses. All of that stuff's constantly changing. There's never a time in your life that you can't change, grow, learn, and take advantage of it. Find yeah. ways, that, find what you want and figure out ways to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. So if you're listening and you are thinking to yourself, man, you know, I'm in a rut. And this is just how it's going to be, you know, no, it it is possible to change it. And you're, you know, yes, you may be in a situation currently, but that doesn't mean that that's how it needs to be. And Eric, question for you is if someone is stuck and they're having a hard time letting go, especially of negative emotions, maybe because of a past incident or something like that, what are some things or exercises that they can do to maybe start to help condition them to be more accepting? Yeah, I mean, um, there's not one path, of course. Um, figuring out one of the biggest things that's most important when you're feeling stuck or you're feeling negative is one of the best things is just to, to actually call it out. Say, you know what? I'm feeling really stressed right now or I'm feeling really angry right now. When we label the emotions and we actually say what they are, it often changes, especially like stress and some of the stronger negative emotions, it pulls where, the, where our brain is active out of the limbic and amygdala system, which is the sort of ancient, you know, it's the, it's the reptilian brain, and it moves it up to this prefrontal cortex, which is, and we see this in, in MRIs where we change it. Once we label it, now all of a sudden we're in this part, which is the human part of the brain, the place where we can have empathy and we can have, um, and we can reason 
and we can use logic and it breaks us out of the automatic reaction, angry, frustration, whatever. And you can, then you can choose. And that's what allows us to choose. Once we label it, you know, hey, now we're up here. We can choose what we want. We still might do the thing, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a hundred percent, but just by, by pausing and taking a couple breaths before we react and saying, Hey, I'm feeling really X that can give us a lot of power to think about what we want to do next. We still might feel trapped and that's okay, but at least we've, we've laid things out and don't do the worst possible scenario, which we might have done if we just let that emotion rule the, rule the day. Wow. Just so many, so many possibilities are just coming up and you, you bring up a good point. It's, we're not always going to be happy. You know, it's not always going to be rosy. And if there is a point when we're down, and you want to get over it, get over it, don't hold it back, label it, call it for what it is. And Eric has uh, given us a number of exercises that has been scientifically proven and Gary proven because I've done it, that just (laughs) by, you know, uh, involving yourself in these activities, and it's gonna be different for everyone, you will start to get a sense of happiness immediately. There's like a jolt of happiness, um, you know, by sending, uh, you know, a coworker a text message and telling them what a great job that they did and being sincere. And right. I like the fact that you sort of leveled it up for me even more is, you know, imagine them opening it and then imagine them having, you know, this reaction, this positive reaction, it just, yeah, it brought a warm feeling about me. Yeah. So it's, it's possible. And another thing that I found so fascinating with this whole topic is that there are multiple ways of seeing the world. And yes, someone can see the world through a negative lens, but someone else can see the world through a positive lens and you are both right. There isn't this, I'm right, right. you're right. And that, it, it's so empowering. There are always, no matter what, there are always things you can complain about. And there are always things that you could appreciate. On the worst days, there are things that that you could find to appreciate, even if it's you know, even, even if it's just hey, I'm breathing, I'm alive. Look at look at the way my eyes work. I can see like there's all kinds of things, even on bad days, that it's still pretty amazing to to just be here. And then on good days, we all know people who, you know, rain, even though it's a beautiful day out, they're going to find something to complain about. That's too hot. You know, it should be like this or, you know, and so it's really, it's not about creating and, and only seeing the net, the positive. It's just about finding the real things. It's not about making it up. It's about finding the real things in your life that are good. And they might not be raw, raw, jump up and down good, but they don't need to be a little bit of contentment gives you all the benefits. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a high energy happiness for it to be beneficial. And it's interesting. I recently looked up the definition of happiness and it said happiness is content, but yet we don't associate content with happiness because I don't know, like it just seems like, oh, you're content. Well, then that has a negative connotation, but you're right. right. Like, How do we get you happy? <laughs> yeah. <Content. laughs> yeah. But would you agree you have to have like these peaks and valleys so that you can appreciate the ups, you know, even more than the downs. Would you agree, disagree? Well, I think it's, it's funny because you can, you, can, you can numb yourself to negative, but you can numb yourself to the, to the positives too. It's really, you can't just sort of say, well, I don't want to feel the negative. I just want to feel the positive. 
just it's not the way it works. So I think you can you can narrow it, but it's not a very full life if you do that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just an opinion because um, some people would rather not feel these highs as long as they don't have to feel the low. Um, yeah. But you can, you know, that's someone is someone that's someone's choice. But we know that life is going to throw us curveballs, and we know that life is going to throw us random awesome things, and that's going to bring us down and up and it flows and any emotion is going to come in and it's going to move on. You know, I think we get stuck when we're feeling really negative, but like, oh, I'm going to be like this forever. And this sucks. I hate it. Um, it'll, it'll move on. And there are tools we can obviously use to do that. But one of them, when, when something really, some natural, some real thing from the exercise world that we didn't want to have happen, happen, cry, be sad, write about it. Write your frustrations. If you let that out and let that flow, not at people necessarily, it's, that doesn't always help, but you can write it out on paper or just let your tears come or let those thoughts come for a while. It usually you can move on after a bit, sometimes longer, but it takes time to let that be expressed. And then you can move back to, oh, now I'm feeling all right. Let me, let me work on my happiness. Now, if you catch yourself cycling and cycling and cycling and beating yourself up and going deeper and deeper, that's the gratuitous stuff that we can get rid of. Yeah, but we have to make a choice that we ourselves, we have to consciously work on it. There's not anyone yeah. that's going to come in and say, oh, you know what? Let's work. You know, that Personal would be great. Responsibility. Yes. yes. Personal responsibility. You know, we see a lot of people who are just, they try to blame someone else for their negative space. It's their fault that I'm in this place or there, but it's, you're usually talking about the external stuff and the external stuff doesn't help us be happy long term. Yeah. And you're right. And we can, there are techniques to filter some of that out uh, because there's so much negativity out there. Like you turn on the television and it's just all over the place. Uh, do yeah. you have any tips uh, for a listener on how they can sort of filter some of that out? Yeah. Don't watch the news. Don't watch TV news. You know, it's just so easy. Like they grab onto that negativity bias. They grab onto the fear and the anger and this, and, and they sensationalize it and it, and it keeps you wrapped attention, but it brings you into the negative space so often. You know, you can be educated about the world by looking at a website every once in a while uh, about what's happening, but we don't need to inundate ourselves with that negative stuff all the time. So you're saying I can be educated and informed without having to watch the evening news all the time? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. There's so many ways we can get the information and it's better to like scan through a bunch of the, if you feel like it's important to scan through a bunch of the headlines and just understand what's happening. But to spend an hour or two hours, like really watching gruesome ISIS videos and all these things that just, it, it pulls us in because it's the sensational stuff and it drives the fear we want to know, but it's not things that we can actually make. You know, if we're not, if we're not going to, we can, we can change the world in positive ways, but we can't change all the things in the world. And so do we need to listen and get bombarded by these negative messages all the time? No. Yeah. Cause I, I think if people start to realize what it, one, what it does to you by being so like engulfed in that and how it's going to have a negative impact on yourself, and then start to realize, you know what? What are you going to do with it? Yes, you know, we, we can be informed. All right, this is what's going on. But I know I personally can't go out there and storm, you know, you know storm down tents and, and bring people home. So, you know, 
let's focus attention elsewhere. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, you know, we all, we all, a big part of, of living a full life is having some purpose, some meaning, something that, that brings you value and find the things that really do that they pump you up when you're doing them and do more of them. And maybe it's your career and maybe it's not, but, but finding ways to do the things that are meaningful for you is a huge path towards living, living the good life. And so if someone's trying to figure out, you know, what that purpose is, do you have any tips? Because you brought up a good point because maybe it's your career. Maybe it's not your career because I feel so far too often everyone feels like my career has to be my, my passion. And, and if it's not, then I feel empty, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, well, let me flip that over on the other side is like, I pursued this career because of my passion. But it was really easy to then turn it into work that didn't wasn't passionate about it. So it was it's about me finding finding that passion, that purpose in whatever work I'm doing now. Maybe it's small ways, maybe it's relationships that you can build, maybe it's other things. Um, it's essential that that we find a way to express things that are meaningful and and for us to find what our values are, what are the things we place value on. And that's something that, you know, there's a, a, a nice kind of journaling habit that's just every day for 21 days, write down some, one of the things that was most meaningful for you to that day. Like what, what had some meaning to the things that you did? You know, maybe it was bringing, like bringing your daughter, watching her do something in the school. Maybe it was helping out someone at work. Maybe it was, um, you know, finishing a project or, or getting ready for a presentation or, Within that, if you do that over the course of 21 days, what was meaningful in what I did today? You're the only one that knows it, that knows what's meaningful for you. So if you write them down and you start to see, all right, there's some trends here, start to realize that there's there's meaning that you can create out of whatever parts of your life. And that's a nice, it's when you look back at that 21 days, then you start creating some theories about what's meaningful for you and, and how to define it. If, if, you, if you're not in a place where you already do. That brings up another good point is that far too often we're seeing things from the wrong lens. And one thing that you imparted on us is, you know, understanding what our strengths are, because if you can really play to your strengths, uh, whatever that is, uh, then you can get better at it faster and you will find more passion in that. And I think we get in a job and we look at it from the wrong angle and then maybe we're looking, we're not, you know, getting the promotions or something like that. And then we start to think of it as not a meaningful job. But if you actually take a moment and actually really look back and find out what you did that's meaningful, you might realize that your job is actually better than you give it credit for. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. So there's several things in there. I mean, strengths, I think is hugely important when we can see then there's some great assessments that people can take. Strength finders is one, the VIA um, character strengths. They, these are things you take these assessments and it tells you what your, what your strengths are based on how you answer. Those. And these, these can be the things that you're good at. These can be the things that just um, energize you. But what, what matters there is that find ways so look at those assessments and those results and find out what are your strengths? How, how would you define them? How can you put words on them? What are the things that you do well and bring you energy, right? It's an important qualifier because I can be the best analyst in the world, but if it drains me every time I do it, that was one of my strengths for a long time. And I just, I didn't like it. And so I stopped doing, I didn't, it wasn't a strength. It was something I was good at. And 
I stopped doing it because it didn't bring the energy. So it's a combination of, all right, what are the things that I have skill at and that I really energize me? Go find ways to do more of those in your job and off the job. That can drive a lot of meaning and, and strength in um, strength. Yeah. It can drive a lot of value and make work better because you see yourself acting in a way that's, um, that feels good. And you see what you can produce when you're doing it. And you get better at your strengths faster than you get better at your weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. So before you go quitting your job saying, my job sucks, X, Y, and Z, I highly recommend you do this exercise. Go through, find out what your strengths are. What, as Eric mentioned, what are you really good at that brings you energy? And find out how you can do more of that in your job. Maybe you're already doing it, but just don't realize it. And if that's not the case, well then, can you do it in your community? Can you do it outside of work? And if that's not the case, at least now you know, and you can go ahead and start to pursue a different career, a different job, but you can have that in mind. Because I feel far too often people, they, I hate my job, I hate my job, I hate my job, they quit their job, but they don't know why they hated it. They just know it just it wasn't good. They jump into another job, three months down the road, they're in the same spot and have no idea why. So it's important to have like a self-assessment first before, you know, doing something like that. So self is key for everything. Yeah. About your emotions, about your strengths, about anything, anytime you can learn about yourself, then you can make more informed decisions about what's going to make you happy. Boom. That's it. And so this actually brings us to the next topic because I can talk about this to the cows come home, yeah. but we're going to have to get Eric back for a part two because there's so many other topics I had written down and we didn't even touch those. But now it's time to the lightning round or as I like to call happy hour since this okay. is breakthrough cocktail. And this is where I ask all of my guests the same questions so we can get the straight shot on what makes them tick. First question, uh, Eric, is what is your drink of preference? What is your cocktail of choice? My actual, what, what I actually like to drink? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be alcoholic, but you know, what's... <laughs> but it is. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. <laughs> um, you know, I really like a good cider. Like a good, um, a good apple cider, pear cider, uh, a little bit. I like a little sweet in my drink. Yeah. And that's, so that's a big one. Have you tried the... The uh, apple cider or pear cider mixed with the fireball. Have you had had yeah, that? Yeah, actually, I was going to say that too, but I thought that got too. Uh, <laughs> I focused on too much about how much alcohol I like, but a little fireball is it brings that cinnamon and a little extra kick. It's really quite nice. They, <laughs> yeah, there you have <laughs> it. Page there, Gary. Yeah. Next question is: When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, uh, happy. You know, that was a central part of my of the story I talked about earlier. Like. It didn't like what I wanted to do is less important than, than I wanted to be happy doing and, um, and create happiness by doing it. That's great. And share, share your gift. Share my gift. Cool. Um, so you go around spreading joy and happiness. What hobbies do you actually do for fun? You know, what brings you joy? You know, I love to dance. I love to dance, not in an organized fashion, but just some really nice, some good beats. I always go to the Burning Man Festival every year and love to go to um, different regional events because if you turn on some loud music and give me as much space as I want and people that are supportive and happy, I'm going to be in heaven for hours and hours and hours and just bouncing and spinning and jumping and connecting, supporting other people who want to dance and start to feel the energy. And you get that 
electric vibe of supporting each other and everyone's there to have fun. And oh, there's no that, that's one of the one of my hobbies is just to get out and and dance. Just want to dance outside. Just want to dance. Awesome. <laughs> uh, next next question is: Are you a morning person or a night person? Socially, I'm a night person, and and getting something done, I'm a morning person. So like, her is most important in my life is the thing that I'm going to do, and I wake up at like five typically. So from five to six thirty before the kids wake up, sometimes it. Do writing, doing doing the work, the, the the hard work of preparing something before I go, um, before I get into the rest of the day, which tends to be more phone calls, interactions, and stuff like that. So whatever's most important, it's that first hour and a half because that is when my brain is working the best. Socially, I can stay up until five or six in the morning if I've got a high energy place, but, but more morning than than night for for brain food. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other morning rituals that just help you jumpstart your day? Yeah, it's um. You know, usually uh, I have a perfectionist tendency, and so I, I tend to want to go and work. And as soon as I get up, I go. But what I've been doing the last few months is that's really helpful is just to do 10 minutes of, of meditation. It can be mindfulness, self-compassion meditation, loving-kindness meditation, something that just lets me break. For some reason, when I wake up, I start anxious. And I'm like, oh, I've got all these things i got to do today. Uh, what is it going to be? Great. Instead of running and starting to do them and check it off and be in this anxious state all day, I I try to break it and just sit down for 10 minutes. Um, I have to get out of bed. That's the hard part of the time. But then I go and sit and I just pull a blanket around me, but I sit up nice and tall and I think, uh, and I really focus on the meditation. And that's a really nice way to, to reset the day, not in an anxious place, but in a, in a positive place. Yeah. And it's so crazy that I didn't think I could meditate at all. I, I didn't. And then you, you challenged me and I think because I'm very competitive uh, <laughs> and so that that was the things like Gary can you do meditation and it was two minutes a day it was two minutes a day for 21 days and I exceeded that because I'm yep. so competitive I went from two minutes to 10 minutes um, uh, but I find on days when I don't meditate you know even like two minutes if I don't like have that sort of mindfulness you're right it starts the day and like because I'm a very like let's go let's go let's go and so if I don't just chill for a second. The day is just like all over the place. So since you're a music guy, what are three songs, if you can put like a soundtrack to your life, and it doesn't have to just be three songs, but what are three songs at minimum that would definitely make the cut? You know, I'm a, there's certainly they might be giant song, might be birdhouse, might be Constantinople, but something from that time. That is just, it's fun energy music. Yeah, there'd certainly be some some intense energy electronic dance music uh, would be a piece, and then you know I, I kind of want to say that there should be something quieter, but all of my music would be high energy music, uh, and then I can turn it off when I need to be more quiet. So, so I love energy. I love a little happiness to it. High energy music is um, would be the soundtrack of a good part of my life when I'm going and when I'm happy. Uh, but I think that then, then I can turn off the music in order to like, you know, have those times of reflection and meditation. You can't, it's hard to live your life in a hyper high state all the time. It's just, it's hard. You can't. Yeah. So to reflect, you're constantly doing, you're not reflecting, you're not looking back. So anyway, that's, those are the kind of music I'd be listening to. Love it. Uh, if you could recommend some books uh, to our audience, 
you know, just to, just to help them stay motivated, maybe, you know, work on some happiness, more gratitude or anything like that. Um, you know, what's on your bookshelf? What are you reading? Um, and what yeah. would be great for our audience? Well, I think that, that to really get a nice intro to positive psychology, uh, which is this whole science that I've been talking about, but in, a, in an accessible way, there's two books that I really recommend. Um, one is Barbara Fredrickson. Her, name is, her book is Positivity. And it's really good book because you can feel her heart in it and you can, you can know that it's real. You can connect with it. And she also shares science. But she does it in a way that flows with life and how you apply it. Um, a similar one, if you're more interested in your, if you're partially interested in bringing that happiness to work, is Sean Aker's book, The Happiness Advantage. Um, and both of these are four or five years old, but they're both really, they were seminal in bringing me to that space of here's what the science is. And then a book that I read recently, um, Robert Biswas Diener, who's, who's another positive psychology oriented, but he's, he's, it's the upside of your down, of your dark side. The upside of the dark side and how he talks about he's a positive psychologist. He knows that the, all the research and the value in being happier, but he wants to make sure we don't go to this pasting smiley faces on everything because the whole emotion as, as information is huge and that we shouldn't suppress all our negative emotions, that we need to let some of that in. And he does a really good job of sort of explaining how that research works and, um, to the point where I think he's gotten some people in the positive psychology world a little annoyed that he's talking about negativity, but it's essential that you, that it's all part of life. And it, it, he just wants to counter and make sure it doesn't, that we're not so biased in our positive psychology research and the way we interpret things that we're, with everyone saying, oh, I have to be positive all the time. No, no, no. And it's a good way to like bring that from a, um, you know, from a reality check and hey, all the science isn't, isn't, saying you have to be happy. There's stuff that says, hey, here's the value, and here's how you can do it in a, in a constructive way, in a positive way. Be negative in a positive way. There you go. Ah, love that. And we'll include all of these in the show notes. So if you're dying to check them out, I highly recommend that you do it. So don't feel like you need to write it down, especially if you're driving or, or running or whatnot. So stay safe. Uh, two more questions. Eric, uh, first question is, do you have any affirmations or quotes that you like to live by? One that I've been going back to a lot recently is Brene Brown, who wrote The Gifts of Imperfection. Um, she has a couple of amazing TED Talks. Um, but what she says, no matter how much I get done or is left undone, I am enough. And it's, it's so easy for me personally to cycle on. If I have a day where I didn't get a lot done and checked off, but I just, it feels like it was a bad day and I get negative and I'm, and, and then of course that makes worse things happen. And you know what? No matter how much I did or, or didn't get done today, I'm enough. I'm good. I'm good. And, and that, when I can live in that, then it's like, oh, it takes the sting away of why did I waste that time doing that? And why did I, you know, all those things that I, that's where I get caught is the perfectionism. So, oh, this is a nice one that pulls me out. That's a good one. And last but not least, if you can give our audience your recipe on how they can uh, find passion and do work that they love. What is that? Keep, keep asking, keep looking for what, for what are those pieces of things that, what are those activities that bring you energy? What is that? Um, wh what are the activities that, that give you, you find some passion, you find some meaning, 
do more of those. And then look at your life and appreciate the good things that are there. Those would be the two. Just keep, when you find that energy, hey, let's figure out what, what just happened there. And, you know, let's, let's learn what we can from it. And then no matter what, always looking for and telling the people in your life that you what you appreciate about them. And importantly, all the things and the activities in your life that are good, savor them, enjoy them, um, and be grateful for them. Well done. Well done. Well, this has been such a such an uplifting talk, Eric. I swear, every time we talk, I I just feel like I'm on cloud nine. You have so much energy, so much positive energy. And even through Skype, I still feel that. <laughs> so uh, I am grateful uh, for all of your guidance over the last couple of years and for coming on the show and sharing your gift uh, to our listeners here. Thank you for having me on the show. It's all, it's, I love seeing other people that I that I know going out and sharing their their world and what they're learning and how to how other people can get on board and learn and yeah so thank you for what you're doing yeah I appreciate it and so before we let you go if someone wanted to get in touch with you you know the floor is yours you know let us know how we can stay in touch contact you see what you're up to check you out sure sure we have I mean my website is thehappinesscoach.biz thehappinesscoach.biz um, that's where I have my blog. That's where I, um, uh, there's a lot about how you could bring me on as a speaker and what I do. Some of my videos from, from programs that I lead. It's, uh, it's, it's my centerpiece. I, I have a Facebook account, but it's not, I go hot and cold on that sometimes. So I'd say the website's certainly the best place to get a piece of what, um, uh, to see what I'm up to. And if you want the intimate stuff and, and to make sure that you're in the know, make sure you sign up for his newsletter because he does catch you up on all kinds of really good tips. And yes, I would highly recommend that as well. And we, we will include all of that in the show notes. And uh, once again, Eric, thank you so much. And to everyone out there listening, we will see you next time. This has been another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. And until next time, stay awesome. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.